What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Take the baseline out. Uh-huh. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Hardwood Knox Podcast. My name is Dan Favalli, coming at you with my super-duper, incredibly esteemed, awesome-times-awesome, fantabulous, spectaculario, traded fewer times than Dwight Howard has been in the past year, co-host Andrew D. Belly. I just want to remind, before we get started, everyone to continue rating, reviewing, and subscribing to us on iTunes. We love seeing the numbers go up. We really appreciate your feedback, your reviews. The ratings are the biggest way to help us and let us know that you like what we're doing or at least listening, even if you hate our hashtag takes. We are available wherever you can listen to your podcast, though, with the exception of Spotify, because that process takes apparently roughly approximately one jillion years to complete. Still, though, if you can continue throwing up those ratings, reviews, and subscriptions on, on iTunes, we would very much appreciate it. You can also still get 15% off at the MBA Math Shop. That's mbamath.com slash shop. Promo code Benno, B-E-N-O, should be easy enough to remember if you listen to us literally ever. Before we hop into um, a Who Says No Draft Night edition and talk about the Dwight Howard trade again, and also talk some Kawhi Leonard stuff, we have to ask the question that everyone is dying to know. Andy, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Um, I always enjoy starting off the day with the Woj bomb. Isn't it interesting that, like, it seems like every year, the first big trade, or at least a couple of the big trades over the course of the year, are things that nobody was talking about. Isn't Dwight it, Howard trades haven't been even whispered about uh, the last several weeks, right? Have you heard anything? No. The, the, but isn't that kind of the status quo when we're looking at trades? Like these, even when players get moved that we've been talking about, like let's use Kawhi Leonard as an example. If and when the Spurs trade him, it's not going to be for a package that anyone really talked about. Maybe it's to a team yeah. that people assumed. Even Kyrie Irving, the Boston Celtics... They didn't come out of nowhere behind the scenes. There was apparently interest there. No one saw that deal coming. No. no. Yeah, it's, it's like it's sort of the the mo of NBA trades right now is uh, they love to surprise us. Now, what's your first impression, initial thoughts of this deal? We're recording this roughly maybe an hour after word broke on it, which isn't a ton of time to digest, but uh, the the terms have been um, adequately <laughs> broken down. The Nets are sending two future second rounders to Charlotte, along with Timothy Mozgov, in exchange for Dwight Howard. Howard is an expiring contract at $23.8 million. Timothy Mozgov has two years and $32.7 million left on his deal. And the one thing I'll add before I just let you take the stick is that from, I don't like this deal for the Hornets from their perspective though, they're saving 
about seven point eight million dollars in salary through this deal, and that's going to give them unfettered access to the non-taxpayers mid-level exception worth eight point six million dollars. And in this summer's market, probably able to get you a quality free agent. That money might be enough to poach Fred Van Vliet from the Toronto Raptors, and he's a restricted free agent. You don't really see that typically happen. Again, this assumes that they're viewing this trade through the lens of this is going to help us compete now. I don't think they should do that. I'm not saying Dwight Howard was a core piece to them, but this should be the first step in just a teardown. At the same time, it does open minutes for Cody Zeller, Willie Hernan Gomez, who they traded for last year, maybe some more Marvin Williams at the five, and that could in turn technically make them a better team than they were with Dwight Howard soaking up most of the minutes at center. Yeah, they. I guess they save money this season, but then they're on the hook for Mozgov next season. So in the aggregate, it's... Does that, to you, make I, it I had more a of a win-now move, though? Because they're taking on that could, much money yeah, for I, next year? I feel like your explanation makes plenty of sense. And I actually didn't really look at it from that angle until you told me about it before we started recording. And I, like I told you on Twitter, um, <laughs> I was all for Cody Zeller playing over Dwight Howard last year. So if it, if it really is a move to open up time for Zeller and Hernan Gomez, and maybe you can play slightly more modern now, um, that, that actually does make sense from a basketball perspective. One of the, one of the things that I've kept track of over the last several years is just how inefficient offense is when it's run through the post, and particularly <laughs> when it's run through Dwight Howard in the post. <laughs> they they used almost 500 possessions for him in the post this season. The only guys who posted up more were um, LaMarcus Aldridge and Joel Embiid, and, and Howard scored 0.83 points per possession on those. I mean, it, you're just like flushing points down the toilet when you do that. So... I think they can play a little bit more modern now that he's not there. Um, you mentioned this before we started recording, but Mozgov might not. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't even play for them because they've got other centers, and you mentioned them already, Zeller and Hernan Gomez. But my first thought when I when I read the tweet about the deal going down was I honestly just thought it was like a precursor to Charlotte <laughs> trying the complete teardown, um, which I guess could still be in the works. But that was that was just sort of my initial reaction is I, I wonder if they're gauging the market for, all right, who can take on Batum's contract for us? Who can take on Marvin Williams? Maybe we can get some assets for Kimball Walker. Um, but even then, it was kind of weird because you would think the expiring contract would be better for the teardown, which is what Dwight Howard has. So there's a bunch of different angles here. I also read something that said, uh, Mitch Kupchak has basically, you know, he's been down that road with Dwight Howard before and he just didn't want to do that again, which that makes sense. <laughs> there were a lot of jokes about how much Kupchak obviously loves Timofey Mozgov. I thought those were pretty funny. Um, so there's there's a bunch of different ways to look at this. I, I don't know if we, like pending what happens in the next couple of days with the Hornets, I, I'm not sure we can fully figure out what they're thinking on this. It makes a ton of sense for the Nets, I think. The Hornets, everything kind of starts with Kemba, though, whatever they're going to do. Because if they're not 
going to move him, the teardown hasn't started. He's the one guy that they can get assets for. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, they, they probably have to attach stuff to those other contracts I mentioned to be able to get rid of those. You probably need to attach Kemba Walker to get rid of Nicholas Patel's yeah, contract. That's true. I like it for the Nets, though, don't you? I mean, you get... Dwight is basically just an expiring to them, I would think, and Woj kind of phrased it that way in the first tweet. He said this this gives them an opportunity to have two max slots next year, but I was just thinking about like their theoretical lineup next season. Um, Dinwiddie... Russell, Lavert, Hollis, Jefferson, and Howard. That's that's actually kind of fun to me. Yeah, oh, for sure. I think that I I just don't I'm I'm curious to see what they do with Dwight Howard. Is this gonna be a situation where he's gonna play over Jared Allen and start yeah, over that's Jared Allen? Kind of funny because that same lineup I just meant like it's it's that lineup I just threw out is more fun with Jared Allen. <laughs> Is Dwight Howard going to start shooting threes too? They're not going to waste. I mean, maybe they will to acquiesce to him a little bit, but I can't imagine them wasting touches on him in the post. I would hope not. So they're set up, their books for next year are just set up beautifully now because you do have to kind of consider we don't know what's going to happen with D'Angelo Russell. Rondé Hollis Jefferson and Spencer Dinwiddie. But if the Nets want to, and if we assume that they get, even if we assume that they get a top five pick and you have to account for that money, they're still in a position now to kind of just have, if they wanted, if they really wanted to go all in on free agency and you renounce Hollis Jefferson and Russell and, and all they could have, like $70 million in room, 70, like 70 to $75 million in room. It'll be less than that because I'm guessing you don't want to get rid of all of those guys, but they could, they can do some damage on the free agent market. And I would think with the culture that they've been able to build there over the last few years, that will mean something, even in a market where there should probably be just a little bit more cash going around in general. Yeah. I, I think they've positioned themselves very, very well. It uh, is. They um, do pride themselves, though, on like good attitudes, and it'll be kind of interesting to just see if they can figure that out. <laughs> yeah, because this is. It seems like we've run through this story every summer with Dwight Howard. He well, just wears out his welcome within a year, everywhere he goes. And isn't it basically? Is it one year to the day that he was traded from the Hawks to the Hornets? Because it's got to be somewhere around there. Yeah. Also, you know what's? Uh, go ahead. The, and just to your point about Dwight Howard, Bleacher Reports Howard Beck tweeted something that Brendan Hayward said on SiriusXM after it happened. The Hornets locker room did not like Dwight Howard. Guys were just sick and tired of his act. And that doesn't, after what we've seen for the last few years, that doesn't really surprise me all that much. One one thought I had is. Uh, because you mentioned you don't want Brooklyn to waste post or waste possessions on Howard post-ups, and I couldn't agree more. And I, I was just thinking about this earlier, actually, is like, what if Brooklyn is finally the team that convinces Dwight Howard that he should be a pick-and-roll player and not a post-up player? Are and, we going to do this? Well, I was going to say now he's too old. Because, <laughs> I mean, I think he could have been one of the most devastating pick-and-roll players in the league, and he was when they did it like five or six years ago. But now he's... It might be too late to to finally 
turn that page. And what incentive do the Nets have this year to even try and turn that page? Uh, yeah. One, one, he's not a long-term piece, and two, they finally have their draft picks restored. And while the Listen lottery this, is changing, too. why would you want to... No, I'm not saying they should actively chase losses, but that I would think that's more of an incentive to just emphasize development and learning curves over, necess- over winning games still. Because you'll still... Okay, so l- let's just say they end up with the second worst record in the league or the worst record in the league. They won't, but let's just say they do splitting co-opting those lottery odds with two other teams at the top. It's still better than odds that you're getting elsewhere or drafting later in the lottery or later in the first round outside the lottery. I don't know that they don't seem like the type of team, particularly after how long that they've waited that would tank under the circumstances at the same time. I do question whether this is going to become a Mozzie Jaleel Okafor situation where he doesn't play because he doesn't fit their timeline and or they're not trying to win games. Neither Mozzie nor um, Jaleel Okafor is going to help them win games. In fact, if they wanted to tank, Okafor would have helped them lose games. They just didn't have that incentive to tank. I'm not saying Dwight Howard is someone who overturns an entire direction for a team, but I do think... In the right situation, particularly if the Nets do kind of develop him into this just run, spread, pick, and roll all day with him, that's going to tack on victories to their bottom line. And I'm just not sure how invested in doing that they should be. Here's my last thing on this. Um, Jared Allen last season had a true shooting percentage about six points higher than Howard's. Um, He had better win shares per 48 minutes, better box plus minus. Um, Howard topped him in PER, but that's about it. And Jared Allen is 13 years younger <laughs> than Dwight Howard. So, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure you want to. Uh, I'm not sure you want to give Dwight Howard a massive role at the expense of that guy. And does he become a problem from there? The next, yeah, possibly. They've just from being around them a little bit over the past few years. They, the the culture there or the atmosphere is just. It's a lot better than it was. I don't know if you can bring in someone like... Unless this becomes a Joakim Noah-type situation where he's just being paid to not even be with the team. Yeah. It'll be interesting if... uh, He's not one of of these guys. Or maybe he is. Did he sign this deal in that crazy summer of 16? Dwight Howard did sign in... 2016 because this is the third year of that deal so yeah 2016 that was the same year that we got the mozgov contract who was reunited with mitch kupchak and it feels so good um mitch has got to trade for luol dang now right that's the rule yeah (laughs) that's true i was just gonna say i wonder how many of those crazy lowe's knows you'll do it right and do it yourself to stay within budget when making updates to your bathroom we do it right, too, by offering up to 20% off select toilets during the final days of our Refresh for Less kitchen and bath event. Step up your style even more with floor tiles starting at just 49 cents a square foot. For your next bath project, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offer valid through 3-6. See store for details, U.S. only. Lowe's knows you'll do it right. And do it yourself to stay within budget when making updates to your bathroom. We do it right, too, by offering up to 20% off select toilets during the final days of our Refresh for Less kitchen and bath event. 
Step up your style even more with floor tile starting at just 49 cents a square foot. For your next back project, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offer valid through 3-6. See store for details, U.S. only. Crazy deals that we all, like, just couldn't believe in the summer of 2016 are going to end up what you just described. Like, guys just being paid to stay away from the team. Noah is already that. Do you think maybe Dwight Howard is a buyout candidate? Uh, that crossed my mind, like, two or three minutes ago, as we've been talking <laughs> about this. How crazy would that be? And yet, like, not that crazy. Depends it would be crazy just from, like, a name. how much money he'd be willing to leave on the table, and then where is he going yeah. to go? afterwards could you imagine i don't know just, man just I don't, imagine i don't know where he fits now what if the nets are just what if he's willing to give back five million and then he just goes and signs with the warriors <laughs> that'd be funny they already have like six centers well all i guess are free i guess some of those guys not. will be gone yeah looney west mcgee, McGee. i don't i don't think that would, would be kind of interesting him, yes. be, i'm just trying to look at i would teams. still much rather play Jordan Bell than him. Oh, 100%. Maybe the Bucks, if there yeah. was a buyout, that would be something that's interesting. Although, yeah. Mike Bunholzer want to coach him again. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's uh, He must have, like, connections all over the league at this point. There would be no team. Maybe Portland, if they let Nurkic and Ed Davis walk, and the price is just right on Dwight Howard, if he's bought out. That could be that you know, and it, Terry Stotts has shown he's kind of willing to give touches to inefficient post players with Nurkic. <laughs> yeah, um, like these these are probably the closest. But even even these teams that you're throwing out, I just keep thinking I I wouldn't really want him there if I was working for that team. I I just it's hard, hard to find a really great spot for him at this point in his career. It's kind of crazy. I like this deal for the Nets a lot. I hate so it for I. the Hornets no matter how they're looking at it. I don't care how they go about their offseason from here on. If they stage a teardown, maybe it's a little bit more justifiable because you've picked up those two second rounders, I guess, and you saved money this year. And if you're going to start a rebuild, you don't even want to be sniffing the tax. Ideally, you want to get under the salary cap and – this is their fifteen plus million dollars over still. Once the books reset, I would still argue that it's implausible for them to to do that. But that would make some sense. I just don't. Otherwise, I I still don't even like it for them. If they if they go out and they sign a good free agent, I just still don't like it. You're I don't know what you're making of your future by that point. Kemba Walker is going to be a free agent next summer. You're going to have to reinvest in him, and now you're. Now you don't even have the comfort of knowing that Howard's salary is off the books that year because you're going to have Mozgov's salary on the ledger. It's just it's wild. I, I don't like the deal for them no matter what scope we, we view it through. And fun fact, Kemba Walker is still the 12th highest paid player on the Hornets. I'm exaggerating. I He's saw, actually the 6th highest paid player, I think. But I saw somebody tweet that. It's crazy. That um, was I know fantastic. I said, you forgot for a minute before we recorded how much Kemba was making, and then I, you found I, I out, and you were like, oh, God. <laughs> um, I know I said the Jared Allen thing was my last comment on this, but I have another one. Dwight Howard's last six years in Orlando, he had a 
0.3 offensive box plus minus, 3.7 defensive box plus minus, and a 4 overall box plus minus. Um, 0.205 win chance per 48 minutes. He's played six years since Orlando, so that's why I went with six um, at Orlando, too. And the drop-off is just massive. Minus 1.2 offensive box plus minus, 2.2 defensive, one overall, 0.147 win shares per 48. And a lot of that is just natural due to age, you would think. Um, but his his first season in L.A. was his age 27 season, which is... That feels like a lifetime ago. I know. If not in his prime, it was like on the verge of his prime. So the drop-off probably shouldn't have been that steep. I, I think it has just as much to do with... Um, perhaps this perceived attitude thing that we've been hearing about for the last like hour to hour and a half and just how much the game has changed in these last few years. I, we, we, you were just going through the list of teams and it's hard to find anybody who fits this guy who at one point was like, I think considered by most people, a top five player in the league. It's just a completely different game now. And, um, (laughs) he, he's been one of the biggest, uh, I don't want to call him a victim, but <laughs> his circumstances certainly changed. Do you know what's also kind of incredible? And I think this is most likely a symptom of some of Charlotte's spacing issues last year. Dwight Howard rated in the 42nd percentile of efficiency for pick and roll finishers last year. Oh, wow. In 2016-2017 with the Hawks, though, he was in the 83rd percentile, one point. One eight points per uh, per. Yeah, I remember. I remember posting numbers about him with the Hawks because I I used to always look at how much better he was as a role man than a post player and just think, why can't somebody just show these numbers to Dwight Howard? And maybe somebody has. <laughs> oh, they they most definitely have at some point. You would think somebody has, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. Brooklyn runs basically at worst four out lineups. Uh, Hollis Jefferson, Dwight Howard front court could end up being a spacing disaster, but Hollis Jefferson actually shot really well from mid range last and, year. And he's there's a guy who's actually pretty good out of the post, like one of the rare players that I would say, yeah, let him work in the post. And the Nets overall, they ranked sixth in roll man frequency last year. Maybe just having that being on a team with that extra alliance forces some organic shift finally. But we're, it's I'm I'm over the question of will Dwight Howard change. The answer is no. Yeah, <laughs> and like I said earlier, I I'm, I'm not sure even if he does change, I'm not sure there's enough time left in his career to really matter. You would think that, and we've probably said this before, or at least I've said this before. This would be the season though that he would change contract year. You're older. You're not guaranteed that next deal. If you can show that you're willing to play that role, maybe you guarantee yourself mid-level money after this year. And that's going to be the ceiling on these types of bigs. That's kind of the issue you run into is that unless you're this super switchy defender or can shoot, it's easy to find someone who mimes what Dwight Howard should be doing best now for a lot cheaper. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, what four or five guys in the draft this year that should be able to do a lot of that stuff. Plus, plus maybe have a jump shot. Jared Allen can shoot corner threes. (laughs) 
Yeah, and he's only he just came off his age nineteen season. This is a very interesting time to be a veteran big man. This is a um, test of the Nets' culture, though. That's what I think I'm most. I forget about having Dwight Howard in the lineup and how you're going to use him. I want to see if he's going to be around the team on a day to day basis. How does yeah. that play out? Did you read the Lee Jenkins piece on Dwight? Like, was it just last year or maybe yeah, two years? Yeah, the one where ago? he was talking about like farms and stuff. Yeah. And how he, yeah, he let fame kind of get to his head and he wanted to go back to being like the good Christian kid that he was. Um, I I read that and maybe it's just because Lee Jenkins is such a great writer, but I, I was like convinced, yes, he's, we're finally going to get like a more mature, um, more selfless Dwight Howard, but maybe that didn't happen. It's also easy. I will say this in his defense. It's probably really easy to throw him under the bus now after he's leaving Charlotte. Steve Clifford, you didn't really hear yeah. him. And especially from like my perspective, I'm in, I'm like beyond an outsider to this situation. Well, and also Mitch Kupchak probably doesn't like Dwight from their time in Los Angeles and he left yeah. the Lakers. I, I'm not trying to make Dwight Howard out to be the sympathetic figure. Maybe he just needs to be in a better situation. If he's still the prima donna that he's always been, then yes, that's a problem. But maybe being a, maybe the Nets could end up being a good situation for him. I honestly don't know. They weren't really able to you – know, Mozgov was unhappy. He, I don't know if you saw his quotes the other day that he was yeah, just really I think unhappy I saw that. role. So they're not Teflon when it comes to keeping players happy. Jaleel Okafor was probably pretty pissed last year, but he said all the right things because he knew that he was entering a contract year and you don't really want to rock the boat when your stock has plummeted. I'm just interested to see what happens now that he's in Brooklyn. It's a good trade when you look at their future and what it does for their books, but there could be some immediate – repercussions behind the scenes unless again you're just not even planning on having him around it would be pretty interesting if they bought him out um surprising but not not all that surprising at the same time like i said earlier it would be surprising insofar that he would probably have to give a bunch of money back and we don't envision him doing that yeah that's true and just from like a name value standpoint would just be I wonder who <laughs> I don't want to like make this leap necessarily, but Darren Williams went from one of the better players in the league to just gone really fast. And I don't I don't know if Dwight Howard is quite at the edge of that cliff, but he's gonna be thirty-three this season and we it's it's hard to find a logical fit for him. I wonder how much longer this is gonna last. I I don't know. I mean, he's going to – whoever he signs with next summer, he's going to be a backup, right? Is he going to be signed next summer? Uh, maybe maybe that's what I'm getting at. <laughs> <laughs> Is there going to be more cap space next summer? Have you looked at that? There will be teams with – I think there will be more cap space than there will be this year because – You'll have an $108 million projected salary cap, which is a bigger jump oh, that than we have yeah. this year. And then there might be some guys who signed in 2016 that opt out. I'm not saying Harrison Barnes would be a good test subject. He's not going to get that much money. Again, annually, he's owed $25.1 million in 2019-2020, but someone his age, could you talk himself into getting a bigger payday, even if he's going to get... 12 to 15 million dollars a year over a longer span there might be some instances of that so i would guess where this year you're probably looking at 
roughly two one third of the league probably has the non taxpayer mid level exception or more within their grasp if they're if they're not if they don't just wake up with that money maybe half the teams will be working with that next year and the ones that actually have cap space maybe they'll actually be squads that are willing to spend it i wonder how many like moderate to <laughs> kind of big names will just be gone because of the cap space wait what do you mean do, do you know what i mean like there's just so little available this summer that i wonder if like how many guys just aren't going to be signed and either have to go elsewhere or just like sign for the minimum. And I should probably like look at the list of free agents before well, I start be, talking. This, I feel but. like it could be, are we going to see guys sign deals that are just like, I, I, Bob Moot's a good case for me because he's a super valuable defender. Hits enough of his threes during the regular season can finish at the rim when his shoulder's not falling off. He signed for the minimum this past year, and given what he helped yeah. Houston do defensively, he should get more money than that, but will he? And Tyreek Evans is another good case study. The Grizzlies were destroyed for not moving him, not necessarily because they wouldn't offer him or he would cost more than the non-taxpayers mid-level exception, but because the money would be equal everywhere, so he would have his pickings and just leave. What if there isn't a full MLE offer for him on the table this summer? We might see instances like that. Yeah, this is going to be a super, super weird summer. And we've already, the first domino seems to have fallen. I just don't know what the domino is. Like, what is, does this portend anything? It's either. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't really pretend anything for the Nets, other than. It might still just be LeBron. Whenever, when he, whenever LeBron makes his decision, is when things probably truly go crazy. Unless there's that. Do you think we're going to, the hand will be tipped on draft night at all? And the only way it would really be tipped, yeah, in my opinion, would be based on Cleveland's actions. Yeah, that's true kind of see how they um play things who's going to sign joe johnson this summer oh, oh man probably cleveland if lebron stays Nobody. where's lebron going next that's where joe johnson's going who's going to sign brandon wright <sighs> who's going to sign zaza pachulia nobody he's done move on um <laughs> I thought you said quality free agents <laughs> I think Ed Davis will get signed somewhere, but probably not for very much. I guess, uh, who's going to sign Jamal Crawford? That's probably another wherever LeBron goes, right? That, or I've heard people say that he should go to the Warriors because they just need a straight buckets getter. Oh, man. <laughs> they are... <laughs> After we just talked about their uh, bench issues during the playoffs. Um, Jeff Green, is somebody going to tuck themselves into him again? I don't know. This I just this is going to be really interesting to see, like I, who who is just going to be priced out of the NBA this year. Uh, yeah, I I don't know if it's a matter of some of those guys being priced out. A guy like Jeff Green should always, I would think, have the minimum contract at his disposal. Yeah, you would think. And with Joe Johnson, it's you know it's also very much to do with age. So that's um, kind of a different situation there too. But. It is definitely going to be a very, very interesting summer. Now, 
speaking since we're on the Hornets and in the spirit of the who says no theme of this podcast, let's say Charlotte's willing to tear it down now. And that's what this trade kind of portends. Would you do Nicholas Batum, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, Kemba Walker to Cleveland for the number eight pick, George Hill, J.R. Smith, who has a partially guaranteed contract in 2019-2020, and Jordan Clarkson, who comes off the books after 2019-2020? Um... <clears throat> I was like, yes, 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 maybe, maybe no, as you went through <laughs> the, all the names. But, George Hill and J.R. Smith are going to cost you about, let's say, $5 million to get. They're going to cost you $5 million in 2019, 2020, if you waive them. And maybe George Hill and Bolt, they're, maybe they're willing to give back money in a buyout immediately. And then you just have Jordan just Clarkson's have money on the books. You're, so Kid Gilchrist and Clarkson cancel each other out. You're effectively getting out from under the final two years of Nicholas. Batista. And then you have, you have number eight and number 11 right. in this year's draft. Yeah, I think I might do that. You wind up with, I don't know, Wendell Carter and Shea Gilgis-Alexander. That's a hell of a draft, and you know how That'd I feel be pretty about interesting. Shea. Yeah. And like we said in the, it was like two podcasts back, I, I really think – Gilgis Alexander and Monk could play together. They could both be like sort of combo guards and you have a positionless backcourt. I think you have a pretty modern big with Carter. That's assuming he falls to eight, but it seems like he might based on some. And then if you're Charlotte, you finally have a ton of money a core. entering the well, a yeah. core, but you have a ton of money entering the summer of 2020. We'll assume Hill and Smith will be off the books by then. They'll probably be off the books beforehand. Clarkson, Mozgov, Marvin Williams, Jeremy Lamb all come off the books that summer. Yeah, I think I'd probably do that. It just depends. Um, Would you Cleveland's do for Cleveland? Yeah, I was going to say that the only way they do that is if they know LeBron is staying, right? I don't think all those players in a vacuum are necessarily enough, but I think what you've done is gotten yourself a – I don't even want to say Kyrie Light because it feels disrespectful to say of Kemba Walker, but you've got yourself a Kyrie Irving – knockoff or imitation in Kemba Walker, who is better defensively than most people realize, not going to get run off the floor against the Warriors like Isaiah Thomas he's, would. He's better defensively than Kyrie. Maybe not Boston Kyrie, but yeah. And then, I, in theory, unlike Rodney Hood, MKG and Batum are two players who actually help you against the Warriors. Yeah. I I think if if you know LeBron staying, I think it makes sense. Kimba Walker was further away from Kyrie statistically than I thought when we first started this discussion. I just looked it up. Um, maybe it was like 16, 17, where he was actually pretty close. That's loading now. He was 16, 17. He was actually quite a bit better than him in box plus minus, but that's it. Kyrie had the edge everywhere else. Um, I, I don't mind it. For, for Cleveland, but it, it all depends on a very, very big if. Well, if you're LeBron James, do you think that's enough to convince you to come back to Cleveland? Uh, I think it helps. It, <laughs> I think there's a good chance he's already made up his mind, though, is the problem. I Like, do you think he's sitting here waiting to see if Cleveland I don't think, pulls anything off? 
I don't I mean, know. Maybe he is. Maybe not on pins and needles. I don't think that he's made up his mind one way or the other. Just because that sure thing doesn't exist outside of Cleveland. My guess would be to yeah. me that he Unless would almost sure be looking about- for a reason to stay in Cleveland, where he can talk himself into it. Just because that's the Teflon legacy move, and I don't want yeah, to make this true. about legacy. It'd be different though if you could say LeBron's going to go here. And he's going to have a shot to beat the Warriors every single year. Not make it to the finals, but be head-to-head, even money against Golden State. That location doesn't exist. It might be Boston. That would be my one team that does. And the the gymnastics and just like politics that go into him getting there when you consider the Kyrie Irving stuff, how the opt-in and trade or sign and trade would need to work, just seem a little too far-fetched for me. I you still, just after this trade, that. you still have Kevin Love, by the way, which you could maybe he'd get you something on the trade market. Yeah. I just kind of wonder if maybe he wants to spend the twilight of his career just having fun at this point. <laughs> well, if he goes to the Lakers, which is the most disappointing destination to me, that's exactly what he wants to do. It, you, because yeah, it, it, and he wants to live in a nice city right, um, right. where there's a lot of stuff to do. It, I don't know. And he's earned that. But if you go to a team where, like the Lakers or even the Sixers, the Sixers probably come out of the East with LeBron next year. But if you go to teams like that, that where the main supporting cast they're putting around you just isn't ready to the fullest extent, you're kind of not as concerned about winning championships as you were. And Los Angeles more so than Philly because they still probably come out of the East. They have the trade assets to make other moves. And while the Lakers do too, it comes at the expense of depth. Like if they, it, they'll be depleted to get Paul George and LeBron James, it'll be them and kitties. Then if they do flip those kitties for Kawhi Leonard, yes, you have those three, but you're, the roster still isn't incredibly deep. I, I refuse to believe that he's made up his mind, but, but maybe you're right. Maybe he has, and he knows that he wants to go here or here, but I, I think he'll, weigh everything and like people have said his family will factor into it more than they have Lowe's knows you'll do it right and do it yourself to make refreshing changes to your kitchen and bath we do it right too with up to 40% off select kitchen and bath essentials during the final days of our refresh for less kitchen and bath event that's up to 40% off faucets vanities shower heads and more for kitchen and bath updates that keep you within budget do it right for less start with Lowe's Offer valid through 3-6. See store for details, U.S. only. Have given the age of his kids at this point. Just interesting, and if you're the Cavs, you're right. You don't make a deal like this without the guarantee he's coming back. I think this would be the floor on a return that could get him to stay in Cleveland, though. He could talk himself into returning to the Cavs, looking at those three players, and just maybe some other moves the Cavs would be able to make. Uh, with the taxpayers mid-level. Maybe there are deals out there for Kevin Love. We don't know. Um, should we move on to some other trades? Yes, I was going to say that uh, to, I guess, in tandem with the Kawhi report, since I believe you had some Kawhi Leonard trades. According to Sham Sharania of Yahoo Sports, Jabari Young of the San Antonio Express News, Chris Haynes of ESPN.com, Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN.com, <laughs> Kawhi Leonard and Greg Popovich met on Tuesday in San Diego. Doesn't sound like anything was resolved, and we 
actually got conflicting reports that definitely showed us where which which sides are leaking information to which reporters kind of deal just the way the reports were framed i and then as we were recording this by the way zach lowe dropped a piece for espn.com and i saw within it that it says the spurs have not yet given up hope that they can keep leonard that's where I want to know what you would make of the situation because I, I feel like I might be oversimplifying it. I'm still convinced that they're not going to move him just because the returns probably won't be the trades we'll talk about. He's they could talk themselves into maybe, but I don't know that he's going to net the best return given his contract situation, but also when he's coming off a season in which he appeared in only nine games and it would seem almost more likely to me that they let this drag out into the season and try to rehabilitate his on-court value in advance of the trade deadline because the offers aren't going to get worse just because you burn through that half season or fraction of a season. Um, can we talk about the timeline on those reports real quick? Um, yes, please. Please do. I thought it was hilarious that Woj tweeted... Um, I don't want to mess it up. I'm going to look it up, actually. And I've So he said... San Antonio Spurs coach Greg Popovich is traveling to to Southern California with the intention of meeting uh, with Kawhi. And then, like, within minutes, Shams goes, Spurs, Kawhi Leonard, and Greg Popovich met on Tuesday in San Diego. Um, <laughs> I thought that was a funny back and forth between those two. I was really hoping, too, I don't know if we've talked about this on the pod yet, but when it was announced that ESPN wasn't going to be tipping draft picks on draft night, I was really hoping Shams was going to like steal all that thunder. But I, I guess Yahoo's not going to do it either, which was unfortunate. But I'm, I am forever in on the uh, Woj versus Shams rivalry. The other thing that you said that's super interesting and is totally true is it was interesting to see how much different everybody's report was. Woj was like two or three nuggets in his initial story was – Kawhi Leonard's purposely being difficult to reach. Uh, it just sort of sounded like this is done. And then with Shams, it was like it was a professional meeting. Um, you just mentioned the low piece. They still have hope. It, I mean, it's just all over the place right now. And I guess maybe we should have expected that because we've been talking about this crazy saga for months now. And it doesn't seem all that much more clear than it was in like March. Um so I'm I'm ready for the resolution on it. I would not be surprised if it drags into the season, like you said. But if it's me, I would just much rather have it resolved now. And I I think there's still a chance he gets moved before the season starts. But I I wouldn't be surprised either way. Not nothing in this saga at this point can surprise me. What What's your favorite Quiet or trade then? I don't know if I have a favorite. When when the uh, when the report first showed up, it's what has it been like a week now since it said that he wants out and he prefers the Lakers. Um, the deals with the Lakers were actually kind of appealing to me, but then shortly after that, it was like the Spurs have no intention of trading him to the Lakers, which I guess makes sense. Maybe you don't want to trade him within your own conference. Maybe you don't want to trade him to a situation that's ready made for LeBron. Um, 
But I, th- I feel like if you're giving up Kawhi Leonard, maybe you have to have at least some eye towards a rebuild. So I don't, I don't think I would completely rule out LA deals if I was San Antonio. I, I think Lonzo Ball uh, would be super, super interesting for them. Um, and he's, he's maybe one of the best assets they could get back from stuff that I've seen. Uh, the, I, I've got a couple here from Twitter users, but I want to, do, do you have any that you think are like just home runs for the Spurs? Yeah. The one that I've written about twice now is San Antonio sends Kwai to Philadelphia for Jared Bayless's expiring deal, Markel Fultz, Dario Saric, and the number 10 pick. That's, uh, we, we, I got pretty much the same thing from Jason Santino at J underscore Santino 13. The, the issue there is you don't make that deal if you're Philly unless he's said that he'll resign and that you have yeah. airtight information on his vitals following that quad stuff. Yeah, I think I would totally agree with that. That's going to be the cloud that's sort of hanging over his trade value. In, in all these discussions is how long are you going to have him? <laughs> you don't want to empty your treasure chest of assets for a guy who's only going to be there for a very, you know, short amount of time Would this, would the Sixers be like title contenders instantly. If they had Simmons, Kawhi and Embiid though next year. Yeah. Imagine I, that defense. You have Robert yeah, I, I Covington say, still. I think I can, I can talk myself into that too. If Simmons takes a leap and Embiid takes a leap next season, that's that's a really interesting team. So maybe Philly can talk itself into, sure, we have a huge risk of losing him, um, but we also have a, a not insignificant chance of competing for a title this season. Well, the other thing about this trade too is it actually saves when you factor in how much – the rookies is going to make at number 10. It saves them about $2.9 million before factoring in any empty roster charges. They'd still enter the summer with more than $25 million in room. They would, they could easily clear an extra between, I think it'll be between four and $6 million they'd need to afford Paul, Paul George's max. And if James wants to come over now that Leonard's in Philly, his $35.4 million max, it's obtainable by dumping Robert Covington's deal, which I still think he's an asset. His salary is going to plunge. I would take him at under yeah. $11 million a year, basically. And then, or you could just straight up try and work out a trade with Cleveland. Um, Simmons, George, Kawhi, and Embiid. Like, even if they didn't get LeBron, that's super interesting too and the I, thing I think is, is that's that they a surefire can, title contender right and if you go with george you you don't need to get rid of rocco covington yeah, george that's Leonard. incredible <laughs> think about that if you're willing to go if, if simmons is your point guard and you don't want to have any smaller guys on the court to have to worry about helping him defend them or you you're fine switching leonard and paul george and robert covington all over the place like you basically did with covington anyway imagine that and be you could Covington, you could easily George, switch Leonard, one through four. Simmons. That's yeah. way more intriguing to me than having Leonard, LeBron, and Paul George in Los Angeles. Yeah, I think so too. That lineup is uh, very scary 
that that would be one of the most switchable one through four lineups in the league, like more so than the Warriors or even the Celtics, maybe. Because you have you have guys who are switchable, but you also have guys who are just incredible defenders individually with Covington, George, um, Kawhi, and even Ben Simmons was good defensively last year. This is this is maybe like one of my new 2018 offseason pipe dreams is for this <laughs> team to come together because that would be very very interesting. And you have pretty dang good spacing too. If if Joel Embiid could get to be like an average three point shooter and you get the shooting of George, Kawhi, and uh, Covington, that's a <laughs> that's a scary scary team. All right, I'm, I'm sold on that one. I'm with you there. You have any other <laughs> deals from them that you want to throw out? Um. For the Spurs, I had, or for Kawhi, I mean, I, I bookmarked one other one that I got on Twitter, and I think, I think it was five thirty eight did some sort of piece that was like which team can offer the most value for Kawhi, and Miami actually came up first, which I was surprised by, and this guy has a trade with the Heat, Kawhi Leonard and Patty Mills for Bam Adebayo, Justice Winslow. Um, 2019 first in Goran Dragic. That's, I think I said before the start of the pod, that's interesting. It's interesting. I, I think I'd rather have that trade from the Sixers because you get a wild card with Fultz. I think Dario Saric could be a very Popovich type player and you get the pick right now in the top 10. Um, but this one's interesting to me. Justice is a guy that I think could fit well with Popovich. Um, really, all these guys, Adebayo, Dragic, I, I, think, I think Popovich could get something out of all those guys. So that one's interesting to me, too. Yeah. And interestingly enough, that 538 thing, I'm pretty sure number two was uh, the Lakers, and it was like barely behind the heat. Just because I, I think Lonzo Ball has more value than any of those guys I just mentioned from the heat. Do you buy into that the Spurs don't want Lonzo Ball? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that that could certainly <laughs> uh, be the case, and that would change everything. I, I just, I get the shooting concerns with him. It was awful <laughs> during his rookie season. There was like maybe one or two good stretches in there, but the way he passes and rebounds and defends, he's he's just a really unique player to me. I, I think he's super interesting and like a legitimate building block type of player. And I'm not sure there's a legitimate building block in that heat offer. Maybe Josh Richardson. I'm really, I'm doing a, well, I don't know. Yeah, this guy doesn't say. have Richardson in there, but that would make it more interesting. Oh, he didn't have Richardson in that one. I thought, no, I he's got, he's got bam justice, 2019 first and Dragic, And, and, Miami, would Miami go ahead and put Richardson in that deal? If it meant getting Kawhi Leonard? Yeah, I'm yes. sure they would. Yeah. So maybe you add Richardson to that, and that makes it more interesting for San Antonio. I'm still not sure anyone's as much of a... And maybe this is just my personal <laughs> feelings about Lonzo. I just think he's really good. Um, is, do you, is there anything to you on the... I had this conversation on Twitter. Would you do a Kyrie Irving for a Kawhi Leonard swap? And I think if you're Boston, you probably have to end up giving up something else there as well. Maybe that Sacramento pick next year. That one was somewhere 
in my mentions too, or at least some variation of it. I think I would probably do it if I was Boston. Here's where I'm kind of at for them. If if it's the difference, if the option is you have to trade Kyrie Irving or cut into the youth for Kawhi Leonard, I'm trading Kyrie Irving. If it's if the option is you either tr- trade Kyrie Irving or you stand pat and you're, you're not getting Kawhi Leonard, I I lean towards standing pat for Boston. I probably would too. Just because they made the Eastern Conference Finals without two top 20 players. The other thing with like any any Boston-related trade scenarios to me is Kawhi is kind of the odd man out just because of his size. I, I feel like they are trending very much toward this like six seven six eight positionless utopia, <laughs> and so I I would not trade Gordon Hayward to get somebody like Kawhi or LeBron if you can if you can do the same thing by trading Kyrie. Because now suddenly you have four of those guys plus Al Horford, and none of those guys can do what Kyrie does. Uh, but that, you know, that's for sure. But I, I think you open up a whole bunch of different possibilities if you have that truly positionless lineup with all the guard slash wings that they would have. Um, do you need a traditional point guard to bring the ball up the floor? If you have J- Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Kawhi Leonard, and Gordon Hayward, I don't think you do. I, I think you just pass the ball up the floor and then start running your offense. I, I don't think... And you still have Terry Rozier in this scenario. Probably Marcus. Yeah. Too. So if you want to play like, if you want lineups that are a little bit more traditional, it's it's easy to throw in Marcus Smart or Terry Rozier, like you said. And you talked me into like Marcus Smart over Terry Rozier a couple episodes back because I think he fits the position this thing pretty well too. Despite his size, like he's shown that he can guard power forwards, which is just super valuable from a six four guy. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm with you right there. Any other destinations that might stand out? The Knicks don't have anything to offer, really, despite people thinking if if the Spurs really wanted cap relief and Cantor opts in, you could build deals around Patty Mills and Leonard for Cantor, Neil Aquina, this year's first, a 2020 first, just another future first, and then other salary fodder, but they don't really have anything. Cleveland, but, I wish could get Kawhi Leonard just because I don't really want to see LeBron James go to the West, and it would just make the NBA Finals more interesting. But I, I think the best version of a deal for the Cavaliers that uh, I, I could build and feel like, oh, hey, this isn't just a complete like crap job, is if you gave the Spurs George Hill, Kyle Korver, Chetty Osman, Larry Nance, and the eight pick. Leonard and Patty Mills and that still rests heavily on one the Spurs believing they can get a transcendent player at number eight and then two what you're essentially selling them on yeah they're getting flyers on Nance and Chetty but Kyle Korver and George Hill are gonna cost them four million dollars to get rid of the season after next if they want to and so you're going to be more flexible during that time but that still shouldn't be the best offer they're getting no it probably wouldn't be the best offer but I I do think you can make sense of it, which you just did. I, I don't think it's like a we hang up the phone type of a thing. Clippers deal what you, of 
Yeah. Okay. Spurs Let's get Beverly, Spurs. Tobias Harris, Wesley Johnson, the 12 and 13 pick. This would have to happen after the draft. For, 12 and 13? Yeah. For Kawhi Leonard and Patty Mills. Tobias, Beverly, and both picks. Was that all the Clippers were giving up? Plus Wesley Johnson. So three um, expiring contracts and two late lottery picks to get off Patty Mills's money. And of course you're giving up Kawhi Leonard. That one's interesting to me. I don't think it's enough personally. If why would it have to be after the draft? Is it like salary matching? No, it's because the Clippers can't trade both their picks. They have to have a pick oh, this year. Oh, the step in rule. Yeah. Yeah. Um and to me, both picks have to be in there because even if you view Tobias Harris as a future piece in San Antonio, they have to re-sign him after. Here's the CBA question for you. Can they... And maybe you would have this to do gonna this like... going to be hysterical because like, you're giggling. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you have to do this like under the table, behind closed doors type of thing. Could they technically make picks 12 and 13 for San Antonio and then send them after? Yeah, they that stuff that stuff happens all the time. Okay, that's kind of what I assumed. Um, yeah, I actually think that's fairly interesting. I, it's interesting. Are, I just don't know if it if it does it. You know, I think my favorite still so far is probably the Sixers one. Yeah, and this Fe- one's already been squashed. But what about the Kawhi for number one stuff? I was actually just about to say that. No, I, I'm just, the Suns would be dumbasses to do it. He's I not, agree. He, unless yeah. he tells you, if he's in a vacuum, Leonard is worth the number one pick. But unless he tells you, I'm coming back, I'll re-sign with you, you don't give that up. And that holds true for the Kings at number two. It holds true for the Hawks at number three. It holds true for the, it holds true for the Grizzlies at number four. The Mavericks maybe could be a team if they wanted to build something around the number five pick that you can that you could say, hey, they don't really need an ironclad agreement because they'll be confident enough they can sell him on returning i i wouldn't do it i'm not giving up a top if you look at the teams that are in the top seven i'm not giving up any of those picks for leonard unless i have the inside track on him coming back the cavaliers i'd roll the dice with number eight in a heartbeat the knicks i wouldn't give up number nine for leonard unless he said that he was coming back or unless you're getting off joe kim noah's money in the process, the Sixers, and then then you can start talking yourself into some things and making risks. Has anyone combined the Chandler Parsons stuff with the Kawhi Leonard stuff? I'm sure they have, but the Spurs would need way more than number four to take back Parsons, and the Grizzlies don't have anything. Yeah. I mean, Dylan Brooks isn't exciting anybody. <laughs> Dylan Brooks and Kobe Simmons, let's go. <laughs> uh, I think I agree with you, though. I. I would want some sort of ironclad assurance that he was going to resign. And even that in today's NBA probably isn't worth a ton because <laughs> stuff changes uh, so dramatically and so fast. So I, yeah, it, it, especially with Phoenix specifically, I, I would definitely hang on to that number one pick, even though I think they're going to misuse it. <laughs> Are you ready to throw some uh, non Kawhi Leonard trades around? Yeah, I've got one that I threw to you before the podcast that made me ill, but you kind of seemed semi-okay with it. <laughs> From Warren Kasoy at WJKOSOY, 
DeRozan to the Jazz for Ingles, Burks, and the 21st pick. Now, let me, because you're, <laughs> I can hear you vomiting. DeRozan is a terrible fit for what the Jazz do, and that would be Correct. a bad trade for the way Utah plays. In a vacuum, though, it is not ridiculous to talk about giving up Joe Ingles, number 21, a player you don't, and then a player you don't like for a buckets getter like DeMar DeRozan, which is someone that the Jazz, we've talked about, they do need. I wouldn't do it. I want to make that clear. I just don't Maybe think, it's... I don't think that it's, his contract is bad. I also don't think though that it's vomit worthy. I'm just maybe I'm just not as high on DeRozan as some other people. Um, His defense is not good, but the Jazz are still built to cover that up. If he could, if if you could, I also don't love. And you mentioned this already, but the fit with him and Mitchell is really wonky to me. If he could shoot threes, I bet you that trade looks a lot different to you. Yeah, but how long have we been saying if he could shoot threes? Well, he almost kind of sort of shot them this year. So (laughs) he did for like a month this year, (laughs) which is better than usual so maybe he's trending in the right direction and may- maybe i'm just like <laughs> I, I clearly I have like a joe ingles bias I'm, yeah. i agree with you there <laughs> he's he's obviously very talented to martyr <laughs> he's but... just no joe ingles <laughs> <laughs> well okay don't get me started um i one thing i just don't like the fit and i do think there are some things that joe ingles does that are indispensable that DeMar DeRozan just doesn't do like plays ass off on defense. Yeah. Like, like he's not going to shut down Chris Paul for stretches of a first round playoff series. He's not going to shoot 45%. You have to because Chris Paul's going to sign with the jazz. This <laughs> there you go. Donovan Mitchell. Um, and I was, I was going to bring up playmaking too, but DeRozan actually had a higher assist percentage than Joe Ingles last year. He's so that was, that was fantastic kind of out of the pick and roll now. Um, but I don't, I also just don't want like long twos clogging up the jazz offense that has trended so well towards towards modern basketball in the last couple of years. Um, it's not as bad. I I should I apologize to Warren because I was kind of mean to him on Twitter. Um, it's maybe not as bad as I initially thought when I read it, but I'm still I'm still staying away if I'm Utah. I'm with you there. What do you in the spirit of um, the draft coming up, I have a few, I came up with draft trades that I teed up. I actually threw it. I threw some of them to you. Nuggets and Mavericks. Denver Nuggets received the 54th overall pick. They send Darrell Arthur, Malik Beasley, and number 43 to Dallas. Okay, t- go through it again. The Nuggets get number 54. Dallas gets Darrell Arthur's expiring deal, Malik Beasley, and number 43. This was based off, there's all those reports that Denver wants to use a lottery pick to get rid of Kenneth Fareed's money. I don't think they should have to give up a lottery pick to get rid of an expiring contract. This, if the if the driving force is the luxury tax implications of re-signing Jokic to a max deal this summer, this helps with that a little bit, but then you also give yourself, now you've kept that lottery pick, which could help you maybe address your wing situation. And if the opportunity does arise though, you've given yourself, you've moved one of your harder deals to junk and you have kind of a path to cap space if Wilson Chandler opts out or if you can find a deal for Wilson Chandler should he opt in you have Will Barton's free agent hold 
And then Fareed, who you know you can move, and you'll have the number 14th pick as a carrot. You'll have Trey Lyles, Juan Hernan Gomez, all those sweeteners. The Nuggets would then have, in my mind, a feasible route to carving out, I did the math, more than $15 million in room. If you got rid of Arthur and then also got rid of Chandler and Fareed, which I don't think if you made this trade is an unrealistic expectation. For Dallas, I guess it hurts their cap space. It does. I don't guess. It does hurt their cap space this summer, but they shouldn't be spending a lot of money this summer. To me, you're still kind of rebuilding. And to get a flyer on Malik Beasley and just move up, with uh into like in the second round move up 11 picks i I would do this deal if i were them if there's somebody sitting there in the 40s that they just love and have higher on their board than other teams then i could see it um it seems like kind of a lot to just move up 11 spots in the second round um but you still get yeah yeah i mean i i don't i'm not sure how high i am on him but like you said that would be a flyer and that's a lot of hurdles for Denver to clear to get to, like, you said about $15 million in room. Who are they signing with that $15 million? That's a good question. This would not – I mean, maybe they can get – I mean, they obviously want cap space because they're floating the Fareed stuff. So – Well, I thought – some people think that was just more of they want to duck the luxury tax in advance oh, that of makes signing sense. Yeah. Jokic to a max deal, which could could be possible, but – the their team president Josh Kroenke did say that they don't care about paying the luxury tax. How true that is, you don't know. But I, I mean, it, a guy like the Mark is just so tough this year. But maybe it's not with fifteen million. You could get maybe two quality free agents who help you on the wings, or you know, yeah. Kentavious Caldwell Pope might be a good fit there. Tyreek Evans at the three is that, or is that too ball dominant? I just him and Will Barton would be redundant to me a little bit. Oh, that's true. Yeah. But could you get in the Fred Van Fleet sweepstakes? That'd be interesting. Him and Jamal Murray. Uh, I, there are guys. I'm out also there. just with Denver. I, just I would be curious. <laughs> I would be curious just to see what they could. And this isn't part of the trade that you laid out. Um, but I want to see if they can get a small forward at number fourteen. Which is like the subsequent deal is you you attach fourteen to Fareed to get off his money. Um, I wouldn't do that though. That's my. I think that's my point. Is if I'm going to attach, and I don't know if I'm being way too low on Mason Plumley here, but I'd rather get off his money with the lottery pick because he signed yeah. for two more years than I would I'd get off Kenneth Fareed's money. Honestly, um, I just I feel like what if what if like Miles Bridges somehow slides to fourteen, and that seems less likely the closer we get to the draft based on, you know, just the mock drafts that I've seen. Um, but I, I think there could be an interesting guy at the three there for them. But as it relates to the actual trade that you gave me, I, I, I think it makes sense for both sides. I, I think you could probably come up with reasons not to do it for both teams, but I think you could say that about any fake trade anywhere. So I, I think this one makes some sense. Yeah. Do you, the other one I want to throw at you really quickly and I threw this at Cole Zewicker on the draft mailbag pod. I know there's the report out there that the Wizards are willing to move number 15 to dump a bad contract. Again, if they're talking about, if they want to, they're in the face of the luxury tax too. I wouldn't want to use the 15th pick just to get rid of Marcin Gortat, an expiring contract. And I don't think number 15 gets you rid of Jan Mahimi. If you're the Wizards, knowing that you need to flesh out your rotation on the cheap, 
would you do number 15 to Atlanta for picks number 19 and 30? Uh, if I was Washington, I would do that. Would you do it if you were Atlanta? Because I, I would do it if I were um, them too. They have a zillion first round picks. They have three. Yeah. And I feel two. like so much of this just depends on how the draft is playing out. But, you know, having said that, I, I feel like players who will be available at 15, there's going to be somebody who's comparable at 19. So I don't think the move back hurts. I think you um, still get a wing at 15. Uh, excuse me, 19. That's what I'm saying. And, and then, then 30, you can have a flyer on somebody. Right, and maybe it's Mitchell Robinson. Yeah. Who, who would, Which would kind of fit the archetype of what John Wall wants in his center. Yeah, I know, that would be super interesting. Most he could also be like a powder. Just what? I was going to say he could also be like the spark in the powder keg that Washington seems to be right now. <laughs> the And the other thing that motivated me for this, by the way, is just because a lot of mocks have the Wizards taking Robert Williams if he falls to 15. I'm just, I don't want to see them use that pick on a big ju- just yet. And if you can divest it and you're, you're picking up a wing at 19 and then you can still go big later on. And that's kind of how this draft is working is that after Robert Williams, there's really not all these talented bigs available until you get into Mitchell Robinson, who has been mocked anywhere from late first round to early second round. Yeah. He's all over the place. His, his stock is certainly interesting. Um, you have any, I would, I'd, I'd probably do that. You have know, any, if I was either team. Any other crowdsource ones with draft picks in them? Drafts that I've got this one from Jonathan J. Alicia. Hopefully, I pronounced that right. At Jontimus underscore Prime. <laughs> um, Orlando trades Terrence Ross, Shelvin Mack, and the sixth pick to the Grizzlies for Chandler Parsons and the fourth pick. And he's got a little explanation on his too. Uh, he says the Grizzlies wave Mac and save roughly $14 million this year and roughly $10 million next year while only moving down two spots. And I think you actually had some cap um, clarification on that one. But the general framework, I think, is is semi-interesting, at least. That one was Shelvin Mack, number six, and Terrence Ross. For Parsons and number four. Off the top of my head, I th- does the math work on that one? Parsons makes uh, 23 Ross and you have to guarantee max contract in this scenario, which if the Grizzlies are just want expirings, then maybe they'd be willing to do. I think Ross makes like 11 million. It's 18 million on Chandler Parsons is 23 or 24. Uh, uh, I think that would then work. Yeah. So I don't think that, uh, I don't know. Why would the magic do it? But just to move up two spots, or you—that's what you're basically doing. Is yeah, I think it comes back to it comes back to what I said earlier. It's just like um, it just depends on who's available. I mean, if they want Donkic and he's going to be available at four, yeah. Real GM Trade Checker said this one does not work. I need to do a. If you're doing next year's salary, that wouldn't surprise me. Or, but it also might be because Shelvin Mack's deal hasn't been guaranteed yet, and so he doesn't really count as anything. Oh yeah. Trades. I'm gonna see if uh, ESPN lets it go through. Oh, what the heck? I do have. I've got some Parson trades for you. Okay. Clippers receive Chandler Parsons in the number four pick. Grizzlies receive Sam Decker, Tobias Harris, Wesley Johnson. 
and 12 and 13. Um, I thought they couldn't trade 12 and 13 together. But they're getting number four back, so they can. Oh, jeez. You're educating me left and right right now. Um, I think these are just brain farts because I know you know this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's very kind of you. I think I would do that. Say I know again. most Clippers fans were up in arms, and I, I proposed this one on Twitter originally with Patrick Beverly, but said if I were the Clippers, I'd try and sneak in Wesley Johnson because you're still... I would do that. I would do that if I was the Clippers. I'm not sure I would if I was Memphis. But again, it seems like they're they're operating from a different perspective than me. I, 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 <laughs> I don't even think I would be. <laughs> I don't think I'd even be entertaining giving up the number four pick. Here's the um, other. But they obviously are. Here's the other Parsons trade I had. If you're the Grizzlies, do you do, and the Knicks? Do you do Lance Thomas, Courtney Lee, and number nine to Memphis? for number four in Chandler Parsons. Lance Thomas, say it again, sorry. Lance Thomas, number nine, and Courtney Lee to Memphis for Chandler Parsons and number four. Again, I probably do it if I'm the Knicks. Um, I, I, that one actually makes more sense for the, the Grizzlies to me, too, because it's not if you're the as Knicks much of a drop. and... Doncic isn't going to be available at number four. Do you still make that trade? Um, maybe not. A lot of this is operating from the assumption that Doncic might be there at four. And we, we talked about this a little bit before we started recording. Jaron Jackson and Chris Depps Porzingis is maybe a little bit of a wonky fit, but I actually think it could work because they both move pretty dang well for guys their size. Would you do it? If... Probably not, just because I don't know that I want to see the fit between Jackson and Porzingis. If you're Jared Jackson, looks like he can defend basically everyone, and most people seem to be confident that his jumper will translate. So that um, just, I, because if it's not him, then who else are you thinking about taking? Assuming Doncic is off the board, uh, exactly. Yeah, I guess Bagley will probably be gone too. No, I don't want him anywhere near Kristaps Porzingis. <laughs> um, Wendell Carter, I think, could maybe play with him. But he's—you're not—that's not the guy you're trading up for, though. Yeah, I don't think so either. I, I think I think Porzingis and Jackson could work together. By the way, that Orlando Memphis trade didn't work on ESPN either. But if you just throw in DJ Augustine, it does work. But at, at that point, you're not saving as much money. But you're only um, you're moving down saving, two spots, and you're getting players that you could actually You're still use. saving yeah. some money, yeah. Um, so it would then be Ross, Augustine, Mack for Parsons, plus the pick swap. And you're probably still waving Mack. So I think you're still saving some money. I, I, so that one is still interesting to me. I think I would do the next one, by the way. To me, for them, it would depend on... If I'm the Grizzlies, I would have pause about it, too. I don't mean to look at it just from a Knicks slant. It, it's basically, in that scenario, it seems like you'd be giving up Doncic for that package, which if you're the Grizzlies and you really want to win now, I guess you can talk yourselves into. But for the Knicks, I just don't... I think Jaron Jackson Jr. is a chance to be the best player in this draft. I'm just not sure about his fit in Porzingis. Yeah. With Porzingis. I, if you could tell me that pick was going to be Jackson or Luka... I would probably do it if I'm New York. 
And I just want to throw this out there one more time. If if Luca is available at four and I'm Memphis, I don't want I don't want any of these deals. Um for the, it's but, egregious for to me for any team to pass on him, but the Grizzlies have been looking for this player since before they I know. realized Rudy Gay wasn't that player. It's like perfect for them. Especially if they they've talked about how they want to win now. Um and maybe you talk yourself into some veteran guy being better for that, but Doncic just seems like such a perfect fit for Colney and Gasol. I don't, I don't get it at all. Um, maybe this is all like smoke screens, like everything seems to be at this time. I have another one for you. At DMUES13, Boogie, sign and trade to Washington for Porter. I wouldn't do it. If you're Washington? No, not even close. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think I would either. Um, where who's where's Boogie gonna play next year? Oh, can we not do this again? I have no <laughs> I have no idea. It seems increasingly likely he'll resign with New Orleans and maybe it's on a contract that they intend to trade him on. That's my best guess at this point. Because no other team unless Phoenix doesn't draft Aiton and wants to win next year and decides that hey, we'll go after Boogie. I I don't see another I don't know what other team's gonna go after him. The Lakers, I guess, if they whiff on other free agents. Yeah. Bleacher Report, I, I just wrote something for the Breaking News team. It was like predictions for the top free agents or something. And I had uh, I had LeBron, Paul George, and Boogie all going to the Lakers. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> um, yeah, that one's... I, I just put that in there because I think Boogie's summer is just so interesting in general to me. I don't think I would do it if I was Washington either. Here's, But they, they do have some interesting decisions to make coming up washington yeah oh, i mean if yeah. they even even if they can make those decisions because they're they are just going to be like capped out to the max <laughs> for the foreseeable future <laughs> tapped out to the max i like that <laughs> i was gonna say capped out to the gills but that was like i was mixing metaphors i've been using point. in my writing a lot capped out to the moon and back i don't really know if that's oh i like that anybody but. <laughs> that's that's definitely what washington is here's another one for you. And I ran this by you as well. The other day, the bulls receive Amon Shumpert and number two, the Kings receive Bobby Portis, number seven and 22. And the impetus for the Kings here, this was based on the report that they really liked Michael Porter jr. Now everyone seems to think that they're really high on Bagley who won't be available at number seven. But if you want Michael Porter, there's a better than awesome chance he'd be there at number seven. And if you can save money by getting off, Amon Shumpert is expiring as well, but Bobby Portis makes a lot less. And even when you combine all the rookie salaries that would be on your books, you actually open up a ton of room. I And if you're the Bulls, then I don't really know how high you need to be on Portis. Like He just kind of seems like a throw-in for the Kings to be like, yeah. hey, oh, we got this this other prospect or, or sweetener in here. And meanwhile... The Bulls have to be angry that they're drafting at number seven. They had the worst record in the league when Nikola Mirotic made his season debut. And then they just went on this random 23-game tear where they were 15-8. and And if you remove that stretch of their season from memory, they played at a 17-win pace. That stretch killed their entire year yeah. and maybe that would give them the impetus to hey let's get to number two and they would be able to draft Donkic then because it does seem like Phoenix is going to go with eight yeah I like this one too 
Um, cause like you said, Porter is probably going to be there at number seven. Plus now you get a, a shot at one of that big mix of wings at number 22. Um, I think there could be somebody good available at that point too. Um, so I think it definitely makes sense for Sacramento and then for Chicago, like you said, you're really not giving up a ton in terms of, um, you know, of consequence. So I, I like this one. Um, I've, I've given the same caveat for probably half of these, but it just so much depends on how the draft is going. Although less so with this one, because it's the number two pick. So you kind of determine <laughs> the draft hasn't really played out much at the point that you make this deal. It'd be it's, funny then if the Bulls made this trade and then just drafted Michael Porter Jr. Oh man, that would be crazy. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say it would. It like it's a semi risk for hey, Sacramento an, if they're it, totally like in on Porter and maybe Orlando shocks everyone and takes him or something. Hey, he uh, has been mentioned in the same conversation as Giannis and KD. It's been because he put himself <laughs> in that conversation, but still. man, that quote was so weird. <laughs> that was my favorite quote of all time. Well, and it wasn't just. Uh, it wasn't to me. It wasn't just the part where he's like, "It's cool to be in the same sentences as as those guys." That part was crazy enough. But he was like, "I'm like KD, but I go to the basket more and I absorb contact, and I'm like Giannis, but I shoot more." And I just thought <laughs> the whole time I was reading it, I was like, "What is this guy doing?" Uh, yeah, that quote, that quote was crazy. If if you're listening to this and you haven't read it, just go Google Michael Porter, Giannis, Kevin Grant. <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee it'll come up because it was wild. Uh, <laughs> what do you think about Porter? That quote aside, I'm I'm actually interested to see how he does in the NBA. I know everyone thinks he's going to be not everyone. The consensus seems to be that he's not a winning player. I actually think it's a little bit different because he's already good off the ball and it's his on ball game that needs to develop. And I don't know. I mean, I'm based off his comments. Maybe he does have this sense of entitlement, but if he doesn't have those tools just yet, he's not going to be given the keys to any offense right off the bat. And if he learns in a way that's different to how Rudy Gay or Carmelo Anthony learned, he could be a, a nice contribution. Uh, someone who shoots around screens and really gives you a bunch of different looks defensively yeah i don't know how i feel about him um i was super high on him before the season uh, just from and i didn't really watch a lot it was it was you know highlights here and there and reading a couple things about him in high school um but now i'm very sort of up and down on him the guys that i feel like are kind of sure things like I, I don't even know if DeAndre Ayton's a sure thing. He's to me, not. it's like nope. It's <laughs> it's Luca, and I I should preface this by saying no one in the draft is truly a sure thing. But the closest for me is Luca, Jaron Jackson, and Wendell Carter, who are um, I mean they're all behind Ayton, and it seems like some people think Michael Porter's more of a sure thing than some of these guys too, which is just weird to me. Well, it's easier to be a surefire Rudy Gay than it is to be the next <laughs> Draymond Green or something. Yeah. Jaron Jackson like seems that? like the surest thing in this draft to me for some reason, even more so than Luca a little bit. He Well, the thing with him is you can see how he'll fit. Some of these other big guys like Aiton um, and even Carter maybe to some extent and Mo Bamba, it's like 
it's a little harder to see how they fit today's game. And I think of all the the people I just named, Aiton is the one that's hardest for me to see the fit. I would agree. I think that's fair. Um, but back to your Bulls get Shumpert number two, Kings get Portis number seven and number 22. I like that one. You have any other ones that you want to throw out that you got in your crowdsourcing? I love how you're like a man of the people and I, I just took all my own ideas. Well, that's because yours are well-researched and you're very, very good at this. So I would um, I would totally expect I feel like you you're to about do- to ask me for my firstborn child off the air. You've been really just <laughs> building me up this entire time. Um, no, I don't like we we talked about some of the trades that I got <laughs> in response to that tweet last night and I think at least half of them were just straight up jokes. So, I think I've pretty much exhausted the uh reasonable ones. It should be wild draft night. Um yeah, I'm ready for it. Uh I I'm just like I can't I can't focus on this bar stuff at all right now. I just want to see all the crazy NBA stuff that happens over the next couple of days. At that point you shouldn't even try, right? You might as well just take the next two oh. days off. I've honestly, yeah, I've told myself I, I'm probably not absorbing much right now, so maybe I should just like take a little break. I'm at that point. I've been trying to teach myself how to code, and wow. the, the program I'm doing, I just feel like I, I, towards the end of the weekend, I had I've been trying to set aside time every day. To do how do it. you go ahead? <laughs> and towards the end of the weekend, I just I felt like I wasn't retaining stuff because my I couldn't close TweetDeck. When I have to get work done, I need to close TweetDeck, and I'll have my phones near <laughs> me so that I can get any pertinent updates. And yeah. so I haven't done anything in the last two days, and I feel guilty for it. But at the same time, I'm like, well, one, I actually get paid money and make my living doing this. But two, I, I'm, I feel like I'm not retaining as much as I need to because this stuff is just – I mean, June 30th is gonna, like the, the night into July 1st. I don't know how I'm going to get anything done ever no. in my life. And I'm pretty. I'm sure Bleacher Report will probably have me do some live blogs during free agency too. So that'll be the bar prep will be crapped on then as well. I was going to ask you what? How do you have time to learn coding? You already do like eight thousand things. Well, I guess the caveat here is I don't do it well just yet. <laughs> um, I'm hoping it will be. And I, you just have to have a very understanding significant other. And yeah, um, I have cut down on a few other things and I might continue to cut down, but it's, it's, uh, I don't know. I feel like you, it's something I, I need to learn how to do. And I've wanted to learn how to do it for quite some time. So I'm, tr- I'm trying to carve out the, the free time for it. But as I said, as the NBA kind of steers into the peak of its silly season, it's not going well. Yeah, this this may be even more than like, is there any time during the season where you feel like you need to pay closer attention than right now? That's a good question. <laughs> the trade deadline, maybe. Yeah. But this is just, it's, it's... I feel like this stretch from the draft through the first few days of free agency has become like the ultimate NBA point for me. I just love the offseason. I love the offseason too. I miss kind of the... I don't want to complain because what we do is fantastic, but it's also, I know you work super hard. And I mean, you're sitting here talking about my time commitments. You have a family <laughs> and you're covering the league and you're studying for the bar and you graduated law school. I don't know. I honestly don't know how you do it. We both have very understanding significant others. That's the solution to everything. <laughs> but yeah, I think this uh, is my favorite time of the year too. And I think this year it's been compounded by the finals just ending so early. That's true. That that definitely changed things up. 
Um, unless you have anything else, I think we can wrap up this morning's episode. Has your Kawhi Leonard prediction changed at all? You still think he's gone by next season? Yeah, I'm going to say he's gone. But I, like I said at the top, I just, um, I, I don't think there's anything that could happen that would really shock me at this point. Yeah, the NBA is hardening us to to surprises. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Um, if you want to talk to us about any of these fake trades that we discussed or give us any more, uh, you can find Dan on Twitter at Dan Favale, F-A-V-A-L-E. I'm on Twitter at Andrew D. Bailey. The show is at Hardwood Knox. The sponsor is at NBA underscore math. Um, leave a review. Leave a rating. If you've already subscribed, uh, coerce other people into subscribing. We haven't been above uh, suggesting stealing. Um, I don't know if there's any legal ramifications for me to say that over the podcast. Borrowing with the intention of returning. Ah, that's Dan. You're a lawyer already because there's no (laughs) intent. (laughs) There's no intent to deprive the person of their property permanently uh, at that point. So well done, Dan Favalli. Until next time, we leave you with the shout out to Kyle Anderson and Bain Odry. Lowe's knows you'll do it right and do it yourself to stay within budget when making updates to your bathroom. We do it right, too, by offering up to 20% off select toilets during the final days of our Refresh for Less kitchen and bath event. Step up your style even more with floor tiles starting at just 49 cents a square foot. For your next bath project, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offer valid through 3-6. See store for details, U.S. only. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.